Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Go Up Podcast Edition. Where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So if you're trying to find us, the best way is to go to our website, letsgoup.us. And on there are linked a bunch of fun things, like? Watch or listen. Yeah. Our social media, <laughs> Facebook. There we go. Instagram, YouTube. It's all there. Yeah, everything's there. Easy. Yeah. Cretus, this week, Apple Podcasts finally caught up to us. Ooh. Ooh. They finally got the notice. <laughs> they finally realized we should be carrying Let's Go Up. Mm-hmm. There's something on that. Yeah, there's something on that. <laughs> <laughs> the people at Apple Podcasts, there's something on that. <laughs> or the robots, whoever. The <laughs> I'm sure it was the AI. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to episode three. We just jump right in here. We're going to jump right in. Mm-hmm. Last week we were talking about John 17, and we only got to verse 3. Yeah, That's as far as we got. You know, we, we had a feeling that that would happen. We did. We had a feeling. <laughs> and our feeling was correct. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get very far. We talked about lifting our eyes to heaven. We talked about the glory of God, and then we talked about knowing. Oh, the tasty knowing sandwich. Yes, the knowing sandwich. Mm-hmm. John 17 is a knowing sandwich. Starts with knowing God. Ends with knowing God. Filled with all the scrumptiousness in between. And today we continue on. Alrighty. About four or five different places that we want to touch on. Mm-hmm. Some really interesting, scrumptious, scrumptious middle. Stuff. Yes. The juicy innards. <laughs> innards of the sandwich. The lettuce, the tomatoes. So I'm going to start by reading verse five. This is. So my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face-to-face before the universe was created. So Caritas. 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 Face-to-face with God. That's good. Uh, You know, just that one little line, Mm face-to-face. It's inspiring. Yeah, you know, and if we're in Christ, he's seated in heavenly places, face-to-face with the Father, and we're right there. Seated in heavenly places with him. We're in him. We're in him. So we're face to face with the Father. Yeah, it's just one of those little lines that just is kind of mind blowing. (laughs) So the closer you are to someone, the less danger there would be of misinterpreting something that they say or their intent towards you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems like a place that a father would want you to be is Mm -hmm. close to him. You know, we've all had that in our life where we've sent someone a text message or an email that's been misinterpreted maybe because we often read things from the place where we're at, like where's that, where our heart is at, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can often miss the heart in it yeah, or the intention of it, the motive of it. But when you're face-to-face with someone, there's clarity. I believe we're meant to be in a place of extreme clarity with our Father. Yeah. So the closer we are to his face, the less room there is for misinterpretation. When you come close to someone, the closer you are, the more you can feel and sense the heart of what they're saying. Yeah. It's even when you're on like a Zoom call, you're you're still looking at their face, but it's different than being face to face. Yeah. There's something that energy and, you know. I'm going to call it the proximity effect. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Mic drop. Mic drop moment. Almost. Almost. Not quite. We still have another 40 <laughs> minutes to go, though. Too soon. Let's save it. It's too soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely a very intimate place that, yeah. that we can be with him. And I feel like when we're in that place with the Father, there isn't room for confusion. 
whether he loves us. Oh, yeah. Whether he loves us. How That's good huge. he is. How good he is, yeah. His heart towards us. Yeah. You can't be confused by the immensity of his love for you when you're face to face with him. Like there's no wondering. I wonder if God loves me. I wonder if I'm enough. Like when you're face to face with your father, there's no doubt. This mm -hmm. isn't a Zoom call. This isn't an email. I love you. Sincerely, <laughs> dad. It's He's right there. And your value and your worth, it's not just something you read or see. It's what you feel in his presence too. I love to spend face-to-face -face time with God, and I make a point of every day coming to him, crawling up onto his lap, sticking my face in his face, mm -hmm. telling him I love him, and then he always shines that love back into my heart, and I find that the Christian life is a love-encountered life. Mm -hmm. There's no shortcut to knowing his love than being right there in that close proximity to him, so... I love the way Jesus says this. He says, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. Wow. He talks about the glory of it. So hmm. there's glory. I mean, because God's face shines. We talked about that last week. His face shines with glory. So his glory yeah. shines into us. His love shines into us. There's no other place to be. There's no shortcut for what happens when we're there. And there's no, like, I feel like it's impossible for our mind to wrap around it. In Revelation 1, John talks about being face-to-face -face with Jesus. Yes. And his eyes were like burning fire and his countenance like the sun shining in its strength. All its strength. Okay, so you think about this sun. How far is the sun from us? Like 150 million kilometers away from Earth? Is that what it is? Something like that. I don't know, know. Maybe, maybe a kilometer or two off. <laughs> <laughs> but you stare at that thing for more than a second. It's unbearable. It's so intense. And he says his countenance is like that. It's way bigger than we could wrap our mind around. And you just think about the power of that. And the power of the sun holds our planet in orbit. Mm -hmm. Like what if we're looking to him, our life is held in orbit. I'm just going to take a diversion here. And I'm going to share something that I rarely tell people. I had an encounter once with heaven, and I saw the face of God. It was in a dream, and I went to heaven, and I saw his face, and it gave me a whole new understanding of the word countenance, mm. because God's countenance carries with it so much depth, just like you were saying. His countenance carries a billion words all at one time. He looked at me just once, <laughs> and I understood thousands of things. <laughs> There was so much detail in his expression, in the expression of his face alone. Wow. It was shining brightly, but it was saying something. It spoke so much comfort to me that I didn't feel afraid at all. Wow. It spoke all these things in just one look. Wow. Well, like he's a billionth of words in just perfect one. Perfect love, right? And that casts yeah. out fear. We try to cast out fear with courage and and refocus and, and whatever other strengthening activities we can do, but it's perfect love that perfected casts it out in that one moment. Perfected love casts out fear. That one moment with him. Yeah. Just that, total that serenity. one look. <laughs> That's why being face-to-face -face with God is such a profound mm. concept. Wow. Yeah. You said you felt it, it spoke multitudes of things. Yes. List them all. We have an hour and go. <laughs> well, like I said, love 
I'll, I'll tell you what did surprise me. There was so much humor in it. This funny, joyful humor, quirky yeah. thing. Hmm. I can't explain it. Yeah. <laughs> this humor, this love, this absolute reassurance that I was accepted and a billion other things hmm. all at the same time in just one look. His countenance, when it says it shines brighter than the sun, it shines with all kinds of stuff. Wow. Yeah. It's more than just light. It's communication. Yeah, just a little thing. Yeah, just, just a little thing right there we're just going to start with, right? Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Let's move on. Awesome. You know, one more thing with that is yeah. it just reminds me so much of how this isn't a long-distance relationship. No. Not. You know, it's so easy to think, oh, God, way out there, wherever you are, if you can hear me. But this is like the most intimate relationship we can ever possibly be in. How intimate is right here? He's actually so close. He's in. He's inside of us. I'm in you. You're in me. Yeah. It's so easy to think that our relationship with God is this long distance relationship, but it's the closest relationship we could ever possibly be in. And we have to receive it like a child. Receive it like a child without analytical thinking or having to understand it first. And a child experiences life. A child plays. That's the first thing they do. Mm -hmm. They play. And then from their play, they, they figure stuff out about life. Yeah. And, when, and you see how a child comes alive around a playful father, even if it's not that child's father. You see the dad at the playground that's playing with the kids. It changes the whole atmosphere of that playground. So I have a question for you, Caritas. I think I was sitting on a park bench and I was watching a dad play with this kid and I was watching how much fun they were having. And the thought came to me, let's say that you're in a, in a corporate gathering. The glory of God comes into the room and sometimes the glory of God is there to heal. Sometimes it's there to speak words. But have you ever been in a place where you felt like the glory of God was there because God wanted to play with his kids. Yes. Wow. And if you were in a situation like that, what would that look like? And how would we react to it? I think we take God a little too seriously we sometimes. <laughs> we take God way too seriously. And I'm and convinced of that. We're too, I feel like we're too afraid of messing up or going too far. Or, But I'm like, you know what? As a parent, when my kids are just exploring and discovering and learning. There's no disappointment or anger there. You're just happy that they're exploring this life they live. And and yeah, they learn some things the hard way. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> you try, you know, you put some boundaries up for them for their protection, but really you enjoy looking at their adventure and their imagination and their exploration and the limitlessness of, of their thinking mm -hmm. and their awe. Mysterion. Right <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Cretus, I have another verse for you from John 17. At last they know that everything I have is a gift from you, and the very words you gave me to speak I have passed on to them. Listen to this one. This is verse 8 from the New American Standard Bible. For the words which you gave me I have given to them, and they have received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. What's with these words that Jesus was giving and he was talking about? Um, his words are, what was that, spirit and His words life. are spirit and life. I think a lot of times when we think about Jesus speaking words like this, we imagine him standing on a hillside preaching a sermon yeah. or teaching. Jesus took 12 guys that were no-name fishermen 
And in the period of two years, he turned them into world changers. So I have a feeling that the entire time he was with them, he was speaking words of destiny over them. Yeah. You can listen to thousands of sermons in your life, but those disciples spending that time with him, having words spoken over them and to them and through them and in them, (laughs) I just... Yeah. Having words spoken over them, for the words which you gave me, I have given to them. Hmm. That's what it says. And they received them. Wow. They were immersed in his perspective. They were immersed in his perspective, his love over them. He loved them perfectly. Hmm. He was constantly speaking destiny over them speaking things into their lives. They were receiving them into their lives constantly, just this constant sifting of the words through their soul and their heart, bringing them alive, Mm -hmm. pulling them forward into things they never even knew about themselves. Yeah. Awakening life inside of them because his words are spirit and life. So good. You know, it reminds me when Jesus was talking about eating his body and drinking his blood and uh, kind of freaked some people out there. The many disciples fled. Where it says they all deserted him. Jesus talked about that, right? And he said, "Does this offend you? <laughs> right? Do my words offend you?" And I love um, when he asks Simon. He asked, "Are you going to leave too?" And he's like, "Where are we going to go? Where would I go? Your words are. Is that where he says your words are life?" You have the words of you life. You have the words of life. So I'm pretty sure Simon didn't totally understand what he was talking about. No. <laughs> but he knew every time Jesus opened his mouth, he came alive. Yeah. Like, where would I go? Like, the words that come out of you are life. I come alive when I don't even understand them. So why don't we speak words of life like that over the people that are in our lives? Oh, we're totally meant to, you know, uplift and edify and speak the words he's speaking. And he says, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. If your heart is so filled with him to overflowing, what's going to be coming out? The same things he's saying. That's one of my favorite things to do is to, just by the Spirit when I'm around people, speak words of life. Yeah. Let the Father show you things and then speak those things out and speak Mm -hmm. those things into your friends. Yeah. I love doing this even at work with people that have no idea anything to do with Jesus. Yeah. The Father will show you something. I actually did this the other day to somebody at work. I noticed something about them that was really cool. And I said, you know what? You have this quality in your life. They were like, what? (laughs) They're not used to seeing somebody who sees something in them and calls it out. Jesus was constantly doing that with his disciples. And I'm Mm -hmm. convinced that a lot of that is what he was talking about here when he said, they have received your words. They carry them in their hearts. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. Completely different perspective. Completely different. Ah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's amazing. I love when he gives you words like that to speak over people. And I love when he gives you words in situations just off the top of my head. The other night I was sitting on the edge of my daughter's bed and she was panicking about this dentist appointment. She has a go-to to have a couple teeth ripped out, just mortified. And she's overthinking every detail. Okay. <laughs> everything. I'm like, okay, tell me what is I think I would be overthinking every detail Every detail. And instead of breaking down each detail and explaining why it's really not that bad. And I've had this done when I was a kid, but I was just like, you know what, Haley? It's like, okay, you've been given this mind that sees things deeper. You know that. You've seen God show you things and open things up to you that you shouldn't understand, but you do. Right now, this amazing mind he's given you is like overthinking. way overthinking this thing and turning it into fear, but that's not why he gave it to you. Right. 
And there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. There's nothing wrong in that. It's just learning how to trust him with this gift and asking him, God, help me with this mind <laughs> that you've given me to not use it to spiral and, you know, and not, I didn't want to attach any shame to her using it that way, but to redirect her in how he actually wanted her to use this beautiful gift. And it's okay that you feel afraid, but let's look at why, you know, the root of it is you have this amazing gift, this amazing mind. And the enemy would love you to take this mind and spiral it into fear and overthinking and what about that and all the what-ifs of life that could or could not happen. That was a long story, but my point was the Holy Spirit will give you words and will give you things to speak over people, even your children. Yes, even if they're terrified of the <laughs> terrified i will let you know in three weeks time <laughs> if I was, she goes <laughs> i was terrified of the dentist as a kid yeah i do have a story <laughs> every time i would go to the dentist they would pull teeth out of my mouth okay yeah i was so afraid of the dentist so this one time my mother said we're going into the city she didn't tell me where we were going yeah but i knew when she drove up to the dentist's house i knew that house and i was like we're at the dentist oh no oh and he's going to pull my teeth out. Yeah. I was only six. So she went out. She said, come on, Dean, let's go. So I locked both of the doors, <laughs> all the car doors, so she couldn't get me out of the car. <laughs> okay, I'm right. not, not going to let my daughter listen to this podcast. <laughs> no ideas. Don't give her ideas. <laughs> so she was trying to unlock the car. She had her keys, and she was trying to, but I would hold the lock down. <sighs> so there I was controlling all of the locks uh -huh. in the car. She would go to each door. I would hold the lock down. So she finally went into the house, got the dentist, threw him a second set of keys. Oh. <laughs> one of them was on one side of the car. The other was on the other side of the car. And I couldn't, I was too oh. little to reach my fingers across. <laughs> so they got me out. They dragged me and he did pull my teeth out. Oh, yeah, rough. She tricked me. Yeah, I think, I think they train dentists a little differently now. <laughs> To try to like help curb the fear and anxiety <laughs> versus the force. <laughs> it's really important <laughs> going back to words. Okay, here we go. <laughs> reverting back to words. Really important when something is spoken over us to take it and treasure it like Mary did. She treasured yeah. the words in her mm -hmm. heart. Yeah. That's what it says. It says that they received them. They received the words. Mm -hmm. And then the other... In the other translation, it says, they have received your words and carry them in their hearts. You carry them, you incubate them. Yeah, like cherish it. and Cherish the words. Mm. Another one of my favorite parts of John 17 is when he talks about sanctification and holiness. Oh, it's good stuff. There we go. You want to read that one again? Boom. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctification and holiness are the same thing. Okay. Yes. So those, those words both mean to be set apart. Mm. One thing that I think we miss in the definition of holiness is the beauty of holiness. It says that we should worship yeah. the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So the holiness of God in the scriptures, it talks a lot about his beauty. I love how when, they, when God created man, he created us in his image. Yes, he did. That sounds like a pretty beautiful image. Yeah. <laughs> pretty incredible. He, he sees us as, as beautiful and holy. 
we see ourselves as dirty and ugly. Mm-hmm. That's a huge departure. Yeah. I remember you once telling me this um, vision you had a few years ago of this bride. Yeah. Standing at the end of this aisle, looking at the Jesus, and he's just smiling at her. Mm-hmm. You know that. And she starts to walk towards him, but then starts looking down at her beautiful wedding gown. Wedding gown. Yeah. What I noticed is I noticed that she took her eyes off the bridegroom and she started to look at herself. And when she started to look at herself, she started to feel unworthy. Mm. He was seeing her as beautiful and white. She was seeing herself as ugly, even though she wasn't. Mm -hmm. She was beautiful and pure and white, but her mind told her Mm -hmm. that she wasn't worthy. Mm. And so she started looking at herself. She started getting agitated. She started shifting on her feet back and forth. Mm. And she went, she ran out of the room and she jumped into the mud. Wow. That escalated quickly. It did escalate quickly. <laughs> but Jesus mm. watched her go jump into the mud and he, he went and he pulled her out. He cleaned her all back up again. Got her focused back onto him again. Mm-hmm. And then she looked at him for a while and then she started looking at herself again. Started feeling mm. unworthy. Went back, ran back and jumped in the mud again. Mm. Did that two or three times before the vision passed away from me. There's so much power in just keeping our eyes fixed on him. Yes. Do we believe him when he's seeing us and saying, you're beautiful, you're, you're beloved, you're mine, you're perfected in me? Mm-hmm. Do, we, do we believe him? Do we take his word at it? It's all about where we keep our eyes focused, right? Yeah. Holiness is a matter of focus. Hmm. If we look at him, then we're going to see ourselves how he sees us. If we look at ourselves, then we're going to see us how we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the thing about being in love with him is you aren't even focused on yourself. That's the thing. When you truly are head over heels for someone, you're not really paying too much attention to anything else. You're just enraptured by them. It takes over. And even a, a, as a bride walking down the aisle, everything going on on the side, like someone could be talking about them or someone, like whatever people are doing, it's just this blur. And I feel like that the closer you get with him in life, it's almost like life becomes kind of like that blur and everything starts to fade and it sounds cheesy, but it's so true. It's almost like I have to step out of that place sometimes in the world to like, oh yeah, okay, someone's talking to me. about this thing that I'm so not even like, you know, our son, he has a severe disability. Right. Yeah. We believe in healing. We know everyone that came to Jesus was healed. This is not a podcast episode on healing at the moment, but Mm. what I'm trying to say is most of the time people talk to us about, about the sickness and try to empathize or give Mm. whatever. We almost have to like, oh yeah, kind of step out of this aisle, like we're, we're just so infatuated with Jesus. And then it's like, oh yeah, okay. I don't know if you can put this into words better than I'm putting it into words. What I hear you saying is I hear you saying that you as a person have learned to walk with your eyes focused on Jesus. And what happens sometimes is people come from the outside and they come with sincere um, Their motives, passion. Yeah, and they, they care and, and they, they love. What, they care and they love and they, tra- and they drag you out of your focus 
it's almost like I have to like step out of it to relate to them. You have to <laughs> step like, out of your focus to relate yeah. to them and you go, oh yeah. <laughs> I guess this does look really horrible or hard. We're just so on this. We're in the world, but we're not of it. That's how, yeah. It's hard to explain. It's hard to put into words, but it's just like the bride walking down the aisle and the things are happening around. It's the reality of this world around her. Mm, yes. But her focus is so in tune to him. And the closer she gets, the more in focus he gets and the more intense it gets mm -hmm. because you are getting closer and closer and you start to see the details. And It's all about that. Like the very first verse we were talking about, that face-to-face -face, like, yeah. all over again. Yeah. And you start to see the genuineness in his eyes and in his love for us, the genuineness of what he's done for us and why. I love the way you said that. He really is very genuine about his love for us. So is the father, very genuine and very mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. They're not making it up. They're not. They're not putting us on. They're not. Yeah, they're not playing some game like, hey, a game. jump, you can reach this and we can never reach it. No, we really do have to believe. That's what it says in the book of First John. We have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. No, we talked about no last. Yeah. We talked about knowing last week, encountering first, and then out of that comes the overflow mm. of the experience and the knowledge. Yeah. Know and then believe. Mm -hmm. We have to believe in this love. We have to believe in this new nature. We have to believe in this holiness that He's put in us. Yeah. We have to believe that when it says, be holy as I am holy, or be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We have to believe that it's part of our nature. Yeah. And it's how he sees us. And if we see ourselves the same way that he sees us, we will start to become that. We will be that. Yeah. It's so true. That's what will manifest out of our lives. Yeah. Do we believe him regardless of what we are seeing? Because what is faith, the substance of things hoped for? Mm -hmm. If we need to see it, is that faith? Those are all... Um, interesting places. I just want to go back to holiness for a minute. Most of my life I was taught that in order to be holy, that you had to work for it or repent your way into it. Mm. I have heard countless numbers of sermons preached like that. In the Old Testament, there really was an element to that, mm -hmm. but they didn't have a new nature back then. Holiness is a matter of nature. We've been given a brand new holy nature it says we've been made to partake in the divine nature yeah. of God. This verse here, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature, never before seen. That's the kainos new creation. Mm. Paul would say in the Corinthians letters, you're not acting like mere humans. And I kind of catch that like, is he implying that we're not mere humans? <laughs> mm -hmm. And in the word, he talks about this incorruptible seed that we're born from now, incorruptible. That sounds inhuman. It sounds inhuman. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Jesus said, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Mm. So the washing of the water of the word. Yeah. The word washes over us. It just beautifies us. Mm. And that's the intent of the meaning of holiness in the new creation life. Yeah, it sounds um, very easy and light. The yoke on our shoulder isn't heavy anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sounds like a pasture. Pasture. Rest. Yeah. Ease. Just being. Be holy as I am holy. It's a matter of being. Be loved. 
those words, be, be loved, be holy, those are words of identity. Yeah. When Jesus talks about building the house on the rock, there's these two builders and they're both building houses. And I feel like part of that story is our identity. Like what, what kind of house are we building? The storm will come. It comes to both of them. Mm-hmm. They're not doing anything wrong because the storm is coming, but the storm beat and thrashed against the house on the rock, on the identity of Jesus, of believing who he says we are, the rock, like I'm standing on this, mm-hmm. regardless of what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. You've washed me whiter than snow. I'm standing on that. And then the storm came and the house stood. And I just think there's so much that's attacking our identity specifically. If we just believe what he says about us, regardless of how we feel or what we see, a lot will change. There are a few different levels to identity. A lot of times when somebody meets me, the first thing they'll ask me is, so what do you do? Mm -hmm. So they want to attach your identity to what you do. Yeah. Sometimes people will say, so so where do you go to church? Mm -hmm. They'll try to attach your identity to where you go Mm -hmm. or what you do. Maybe another step to identity would be, I am a, like I am a mom or I am a daughter Mm -hmm. or I am a husband. Then there's one more step. You just have, I am. I am loved. I am holy. I am what he says I am. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a ah uh, at the end of it. When God went to speak to Moses, Moses asked, who shall I say is sending me? God just said, I am. <laughs> he was so confident in yeah. who he was. He didn't need any other tag. Yeah. Just I am. Yeah. Moses said, hey, I'm going to need a little more than that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need some credentials here. And God was like, no. Yeah. Just I am. It's enough. It's like I, gave you, I gave you what you needed here. I am is enough. <laughs> wow. Right in between all of these verses, Cretus, Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. He's praying and he's saying, God, the same way that you sent me into this world, I am now going to send my disciples into this world. Another translation, I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. Whoa. That's verse 18 of John 17. I love those words, just as. Just as. Mm. I have commissioned them to represent me, mm. just as you commissioned me to represent you. Whoa. That's crazy. <laughs> do, do you think he's exaggerating? I don't think he was exaggerating. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what blows me away about that is how the Father sent Jesus into this world and how he sent him to represent his nature. Mm. If you think about that, Jesus is saying, in that same way, I am now commissioning those who follow me to represent me in that same way. It reminds me of that verse in Hebrews that says that Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of the Father. So do we represent the nature of Jesus like that? Mm. That's a crazy thought. Yeah. Once again, we have been given a new nature. Yeah. We've been given his nature. Mm-hmm. We're in him. In First John, it says, as he is, so are we in this world. So what does that mean? I'm thinking of when I was a kid and I went to summer camp and they gave me a wristband that said, what would Jesus do? WWJD. And we wore these wristbands. Here's a thing in our youth group. So if you represent Jesus, 
then every situation that you come across, you carry a representation of him into that situation. What would he do in that situation? I think a lot of times we stop at representing him in character. Mm. We have to have more love. We have to carry the compassion of Jesus or we have to carry the joy or the peace of Jesus. But how about, do we carry the miracles of Jesus? Mm. Do we represent him on this earth the same way that he represented the Father? He would hear and see what the Father was doing and he would do that and say that. If we're going to represent Jesus in the same way, then we need to be face-to-face with him. Mm-hmm. We need to be hearing him. We need to be seeing him. What's he doing in this situation? And then we need to do the same thing. Yeah. And the amazing thing is when you're, when you're in relationship with him That's and you're in fellowship with him, it's not, I need, to, I need to be like Jesus in this situation. It's your nature changed when you were born again. Mm-hmm. And if you're walking with him, if you're in the light as he's in the light, you're one as he is, so are you. You've laid it down. You've denied yourself. Every part of you wants to respond like how he responded. When compassion was more of a, okay, I need to be more compassionate and more of an effort and trying, it, it can actually get to a place where it's just your natural response. Being offended or angry feels so unnatural that mm-hmm. the repentance isn't like, oh, Lord, forgive me, I got me. It's like, that just felt wrong. <laughs> That's not who I am. And it's this simple refocus on him. And it's easy again and effortless again to walk as Jesus walked. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would the Father do? I have commissioned them to represent me in the same way, Father, that you commissioned me to represent you. Tied up in those words is a world of of wonder for me. Okay, so you said a minute ago, that's not who I am. I use that so many times to fight stuff that comes at me. If a thought comes at me or something comes at me from out of nowhere or something that seems wrong, the devil will try to make you think that it's you. But what I've learned to do is I've learned to say, ah, that's not who I am. That didn't come from me. Yeah. You start to recognize it, right? That came from the outside. Mm -hmm. Well, he calls us sheep in his fold. He's the shepherd, and sheep recognize the voice of their shepherd. They can be in a loud, chaotic storm, and they can pick out the voice of their shepherd. Evidently, they can. start to recognize his voice. Like in the garden, like when God found Eve and Adam, what was the other guy's name? Adam. (laughs) Hiding. Hiding, yeah. And they said, oh, we're naked. And he says, who told you that? Mic drop. (laughs) So when you're thinking these thoughts, whatever it is, like I often ask, who told me that? Did he tell me that? Or did my experience tell me that? Did my feeling, did what I see, did this emotion that I've lived with tell me that? Did the people around me or books tell me that? Who told me that? Or did he tell me that? Mm -hmm. That's not who I am. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a kainos new creation. Yeah. Even in the aspect of spiritual warfare, what if it's not so much a matter of, like, you know, in Ephesians, girding your waist with truth and the breastplate of righteousness, and Mm -hmm. he starts listing these. All the armor. What if it's more about keeping our focus on him and rejoicing in him? Like, I feel like when the enemy is really like trying to get at you, you can fight him back and proclaim this and do this. But I find personally, the most powerful thing I've ever done is just 
fix my eyes on Jesus, <laughs> rejoice in him, focus on him, walk in what he says about our life and who we are in him. It sounds contradictory, like battle and rest together, mm-hmm. but I feel like the more at rest I am in him. Rest is a violent force to the enemy. Yeah. It's so contrary to his nature that he doesn't know what to do with it. And I feel like it takes even the authority away from whatever the attack is. It's like um, those three dudes in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Yes. They're in this fire. God didn't put out the fire. He didn't give authority to the fire saying, oh, it's so powerful. I need to put it out. It has so much. Oh, it's so hot and it's so, you know, violent. He just... He met them in there. There was another man in the fire. They came out unscathed. You couldn't even tell that they had been in this fire. They just had their eyes fixed on the Lord, worshiping and praising him. And I feel like these fires in life sometimes, when I just fix my eyes on Jesus and worship him and praise him, he's met me in there and I've come out and people think I'm in denial. Like, you just went through something really hard. You should be acting more like, like, don't push your feelings down. I'm not. Honestly, I feel like completely unscathed. And I wasn't doing some intense battle. I was just with him. I have a friend. You you can't even say to her, this is an attack from the devil or anything like that. The first thing she'll say is, it's time to worship. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. go up. Yeah, let's go up. And like there's nothing, not saying anything bad about any of the other responses, but personally, I feel like going up is where the battle ends. And even in the challenges that have lasted years, time stops having that same authority and that same power over us. Like in his presence, it's like timeless. Now you're going to start talking about timeless. Whoa. Okay. Just when we're about ready to finish (laughs) our podcast. That's going to be. You're going to get me going here (laughs) and you're going to cut me off. We'll save that. Gene, just put that one in your pocket. Store timelessness in there. (laughs) Rest. Rest is confusing and disabilitating to the enemy. Hmm. Worship is confusing and disabilitating to the enemy. And when we enter into rest, we enter into a timeless realm. And that's where you're going to pause on the timelessness. We're going to stop there. (laughs) Yeah. I heard somebody say just recently, rest hacks time. Whoa. This is where you should chime the crickets because literally... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we enter into rest, it takes the sting out of time. Mm. Well, and it's the first thing the Father did after creating everything. He rested. Yep. And Jesus calls us into his rest. Yep. You see the beginning and the end of this seemingly very long story from Genesis where mankind's created, God breathes the breath of life into the man's nostrils and he became a living being. But then he died to everything he was created for, the glory of God, the nature of God within him, that connection, Mm -hmm. so much there was lost, right? And then Jesus comes Easter. Hello, it's Easter Monday. (laughs) Jesus comes, breathes on them. Let me read it. John 20, 19 to 22. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his sides. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord again. And he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So there he repeats that same thing. And then it says, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So he started with breathing the breath of life into our nostrils. 
we lost it. And now here he is restoring. Restoring that breath, everything that was lost. Jesus restores it right here. And that's a Mm. great way to end Easter Resurrection Monday. Yeah. Just as he rose from the grave, so we too rise in the newness of life. Yeah. As he is, so are we. In this world. In this world. Good place to end. We we have to pick a place to end. It's like yep. you gotta you gotta just say it because otherwise gotta. we'll just be here all night. <laughs> okay, Cretus. Good conversation tonight. Super fun. So thanks everyone for listening. Hope you had an awesome Easter weekend. Yeah, and we'll be here next week, next Monday night at Let's Go Up. All over again. Yeah, up, up, and away. <laughs> have a good week.